There's more decommitments, not from UCLA, but top basketball recruits still decommitting from top universities. What's UCLA's chances at getting these guys that they've already maybe recruited? Let's talk about it on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Zach Anderson. Jock Slimer, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Locked On UCLA Podcast. It's already May. How crazy is that? It's one of the offseason of basketball, offseason of football, and the spring sports in the midst of their season heading into the postseason for some and nearing the end of the regular seasons for others. Thanks for tuning in and making Locked On UCLA your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets by going to fanduel.com slash locked on. The big news over the weekend was Ron Holland decommitting from Texas. Again, that name rings familiar because Ron Holland had UCLA in his final three between Arkansas, Texas. He is a Duncanville, Texas native, and eventually chose Texas over UCLA, but he decommitted. And there was a long string of John Rothstein tweets or a tweet that said, there's a bunch of different teams reaching out at him. Now that he's decommitted from Arkansas, again, Kansas, St. John's, Georgetown, Kentucky, and Kansas State were some of the most recent things. But he's a 6'8", top-rated recruit, and he is now the highest-rated recruit available in the class of 23. UCLA was in that top three, but one wonders with Brandon Williams, with Devin Williams, already a couple of power forwards. You get the 6'7", Lazar Stefanovic. What's UCLA's need to go get that 6'8", 6'9", guy? Because remember... In one of my last episodes, I talked about Mackenzie Mbako, who just decommitted as well. So you've got the number six and seven, depending on what rankings or what composite rankings you want to use. Guys in the recruiting cycle in this class still available. And UCLA, who's already gotten an international commitment from Ilan Fibleul from France, and they are targeting the likes of Mara, which is the way they're going to go. We're still waiting on the NBA draftees or guys who declared to the draft to maybe return. But this is the report on Ron Holland. This is the scouting report last year from 24-7 Sports. Holland is very athletic, not just vertically, but he can cover the four, thrives in open space, can move very well laterally with a lot of speed. He's a versatile defender that can get, you know, the term is in this article says it's thrown around a lot, but he's a versatile defender, which could be good has size, shooting potential, and is a modern-day big wing. So one wonders, does Mick Cronin want to go get this guy in Ron Holland, who UCLA already had in the top three, or by going and getting Stefanovic, maybe expecting a guy or two to come back from the NBA draft, is that where they're going to go? He had a big, big jump in eyes when he had a good FIBA summer showing, did Ron Holland. But now UCLA has to make some decisions. You've got a couple of power forwards, who ironically are six and seven, very top-rated recruits who are extremely athletic, could arguably be and definitely be a lot more year-one ready than Devin Williams and Brandon Williams. And how does the scheme fit if you bring in three power forwards in one year? You already have the 6'6", Ilan Fibleul, who's more of a shooting guard, 6'6", you know, that 6'5", depending on what measurements you use. Where is the space if UCLA in one class brings up three power forwards? I'm not entirely sure 
that they're going to go get a Holland or Mbako. And we're still waiting. It's been very quiet the last few weeks on a day tomorrow. One wonders, are they waiting to, to get things settled and bring him in later during the summer? Are they waiting for some big announcement? That's been quiet from what I've seen on all fronts. Or do they completely pivot from Mara and go for some, you know, uber-talented athletic, dare I say, freak in the best word, in, in a Holland or Mbako, and get that guy that can play right here and right now? Because you've got two top recruits, and while there were some transfers I threw out last week, they're already looking elsewhere and across the country. These are guys that are extremely talented, and the Bruins have the scholarships to use. They've got open spots. Why not take a look? Although it doesn't seem like they're giving Holland a look right now. I think they're settled with who they brought in and who they're expecting in with Mara, and maybe keeping hope that Adem Bona could come back. And if Jalen Clark decides to come back and rehab his injury just like Bona, those are two guys that we'll see sometimes on the UCLA roster next year. But it's just kind of interesting seeing how this class of 23, how guys are announcing they're coming back to school, transfer portal comes in, and a transfer comes in, and all of a sudden, these guys are like, hey, that spot was open for me. I wanted to play in year one. And UCLA has those spots, and while they're extremely, I wouldn't say loaded, talented, but they have a lot of guys who are either a center, power forward. They've got a lot of players and one who could potentially come back that is better than these guys as a power forward or shifting to a center. They've got the spots, and while they don't need to promise playing time, they could easily say, hey, we've got some spots, and if you're willing to take it, we'll go extremely young next year and inexperienced from the true freshmen, from the, the sophomores to the transfers coming over. The Bruins could look a very – they could be very youthful next year, which is already – something we've explained during Locked On UCLA. Or they can be like, nope, you know, you didn't choose us. We've overloaded on the same size and athleticism. We don't really want to keep adding the same type of guy. What's that going to lead us into building our roster for next year? Because they want a center, whether Bona comes back or not. They need that center. Mara is that guy, and we're just waiting for it to happen, it seems like, unless life happens and things change. Although, you know, Holland and Mbako, one of those two wouldn't hurt to add to the roster. I'm just not sure how likely it is, but it's a thought that needs to be thrown out there as to, hey, they're out there, go get them, unless they've got something better in the works because they've got spots to fill, and are they really going to wait for all the NBA guys to decide if they're staying to go pro or if Tiger's coming back or all, you know, the whole thing we've been discussing since the end of March where what's UCLA going to look like next year? Those are all things that the... Mick Cronin and company have to decide. We'll see how it goes. Speaking of decisions, over the weekend, teams decided to take former UCLA football players in the draft or undrafted free agents. We're going to talk about that after I tell you about FanDuel because this is the perfect time to get in on a FanDuel because new customers get a no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That's why you should place all your bets in all this playoff action, whether it's hockey, NBA, you can place in a daily baseball bet or two, get crazy with it Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday, get nuts at America's number one sports book in FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel's an official sports betting partner of NBA and with us here at Locked On. Cruising on into segment two of Locked On UCLA talking some UCLA football, because, hey, 
Over the weekend, the Bruins had four drafted, not as many as they had in 2022 when they had upwards of, I think, six guys drafted. But this year, the two of the guys we expected to be drafted, DTR at some point and Zach Charbonnet, and then two offensive linemen, UCLA, were like, all right, let's let's get some guys going in this NFL draft. So let's kind of analyze who got drafted, and then to end the show, we'll look at who was undrafted and got signed and slightly analyze their situations case by case. As we all expected, Zach Charbonnet would be the first Bruin taken off the board. He was the third running back. I know some of the Locked On podcast network rankings had Charbonnet as high as the third running back. Others had him as low as the 10th running back in the country, and I just don't see how he's anywhere near the 10th best running back that was available in the NFL draft. He was amongst the top five, arguably, on the short list in my case. Got chosen in the second round by the Seattle Seahawks. Of course, he's a powerful runner. Seems like a good situation. And while the Seahawks, it's a little different now in the, the Geno Smith era, right? At the end of, how, I'm not sure how long Pete Carroll's going to be coaching there. But it seems like a good fit. And we'll talk more about Seattle later, considering all the Bruins they brought there. But for Charbonnet, beginning second round, not a bad spot for him to go. And in, in the end, I think it's a good, very good spot for him, considering Seattle has been recycling running backs. I believe what Rashad Penny, all these guys they've been using in recent years have been getting hurt and hurt and hurt. And Charbonnet, if he can just stay healthy, he could easily win that job day one and be a highly used and highly coveted running back, heck, dare I say, in fantasy football in the fall, in the winter, when we're playing fantasy football You know, coming up later in the year. He could be one of those guys that stands out immediately and could jump on the scene in the NFL. And we all know the talent he has, but good situation. The next Bruin taken off the board was John Gaines. Fourth round pick of the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of the times, you know, recently we've seen a lot of articles, mostly about Antonio Mafi, more on him in a moment. But John Gaines working through his goal. You know, there's a lot of talk, I believe, about his weight and how John Gaines had been battling and battling and ended up, you know, finally becoming an NFL product as he comes through and, and goes to the Cardinals. And, and, you know, while the Cardinals have been an interesting case after the, the Cliff Kingsbury experiment the Kyler Murray and everything in between trying to keep him upright and keep him healthy in terms of the stability of the team and the direction they're going right now I'm not entirely sure but hey you get picked in the fourth round UCLA has churned out I believe the last big offensive lineman the Bruins really had was Colt Miller who got some love so in the end UCLA two two offensive linemen who gets drafted the big story everybody was looking for you see Charbonnet And then after Charbonnet gets drafted, you're seeing those middle rounds. It's the fourth round. UCLA crossed the ticker, but it's John Gaines. And then you see the next Bruin picked in the fifth round is Dorian Thompson-Robinson by the Cleveland Browns, which is an interesting case, right? Of course, you can have a whole episode on what the Browns are doing and on the Deshaun Watson whole saga. That's a whole nother topic in and of itself, whether it's talent, off the field stuff. That is a whole nother show. But DTR is in an interesting situation If the Browns' big money gamble on Watson does not actually pan out, they can go to DTR, who's got that mobility just like the quarterback that they have right now in Cleveland, and showcase, hey, if it doesn't work out, DTR could be that guy that steps in and gets some time if, one, Watson gets hurt, two, if things, if it's, you know, he was clearly rusty coming back from football after so so much time off, DTR could try and earn himself a good, long either backup gig maybe step in as a starter because who knows the browns are one of the most cursed franchises in the nfl well you know dtr who's to say he's not going to get some early playing time 
in the next couple years based on what's happening in that situation there. But DTR, fifth-round pick, not a bad spot to go, although you could say anybody who goes to play as a quarterback in Cleveland, that that is a horrible spot, and you're cursed, even if you're a backup. I can't argue with that. But in terms of learning and not being expected to play right away and learning NFL systems and kind of being a mobile quarterback like Watson is, that could really help him if he needs to step up into a backup and eventual starting role, at least where he's starting in Cleveland, where he's heading right now. And the last drafted Bruin was Antonio Mafi later in the fifth round, going to the Patriots. Love him, hate him, whatever it is. That's not a bad organization to go in terms of developing as an offensive lineman. And, you know, if you get drafted by that Patriots organization, they definitely see some talent in you, even if it's in the later part of the draft. So Mafi probably a good situation there. And you just have to live in the cold at some points. Go live in Foxborough for a large portion of the year. So we'll see how that goes. Those are your four drafted Bruins. And Charbonnet, I think, really good. Nice to see the two offensive linemen. DTR, that will be interesting to see how that plays out. Cruising on into this third segment of Locked On UCLA, what are the undrafted free agents in the UCLA football, former football players look like? It starts with Jake Bobo, Mo Osling, Michael Aziki, Kaz Allen, and Azizi Hearn. All five of those players got signed after the draft. You got Jake Bobo, Mo Osling, who are joining Zach Charbonnet, going to Seattle. Yes, the irony, the former SC head coach, the coach of the Seattle Seahawks, signing a lot of Bruins. But it's nice to see Jake Bobo. We'll see how he fits in as a possession receiver. I know they got some speed. They've got DK Metcalf and everything in between with, with the Seahawks there. How does Jake Bobo fit in? Not the most athletic, not the most uber-talented, but slightly bigger receiver. How does he fit in that system? Does he handle the cold? How do those things work? I know Bobo transferred to UCLA at the end of his career, but still there's a, a good opportunity for him in Seattle. Mo Osling, one wonders if Seattle can get any defensive stops, if they could stop the run. How is that going to affect Seattle's defense next year? Mo Osling, a nice situation there. Michael Ezeke. Going to the Chargers, some people, you know, from what I've heard, didn't like the Chargers draft. I'm not even going to go into that, but he gets to stay in Los Angeles and a nice senior campaign for Ezekiel gets him an NFL contract of an undrafted free agent sort as he has a chance to, hey, if you're catching passes from Justin Herbert, that's not a bad day, even if it's a practice, if it's growing on the practice squad. And who knows? The Chargers have so much bad luck injury-wise, especially with their being at the tight end spot. The Bruins, after Greg Dolchich, he grew and finally got some love as a starting tight end at the end of the year with Denver. What can Ezekiel's role be? I'm not sure if it'll be more of a blocking tight end, if it's an extra pass or two, but he gets to go to Los Angeles. Azizi Hearn with the Raiders. I have to admit, I'm a Raiders fan, and uh, I, the defense always sucks. Who knows? Azizi Hearn, I'm pretty sure he didn't get a college pick after bouncing around at multiple stops, I think from Wyoming, if I remember correctly, and then ending at UCLA. So he's been around the block. He's played a lot of DB at various stops in college football for the Raiders. They, they need some second. They just need so much defensive help. I don't really know what's going on with them, but I think it's easy. Hearn will obviously get some time. I know the Raiders have struggled in the secondary, so we'll see what Hearn happen, that what happens for Hearn there. And the most interesting case for undrafted free agents, right? Kaz Allen could have come back one last year to UCLA, utilized that speed, maybe been more of a focal point in the offense for Chip Kelly that we've been wanting and maybe hoping for for his entire career. And despite a, despite a long journey, just like as long as DTR, 
it didn't really end up as crazy record-breaking as Thompson Robinson's career ended up being. But Allen at the end had some big games, whether it was as a running back or having some big receptions showcasing that burst of speed. And for Allen going to the commanders, Ron Rivera, and while that you can talk about the ownership and the facilities and everything over there in D.C., he has a chance to go be a, a speed demon, a burner on the field for the commanders and get an opportunity to win a job. Maybe it's not with the Washington commanders, but if he bounces around, he could be one of those guys that at the end of it all may actually make an NFL roster, might take him a couple of years, might even take him a couple of years in the practice squad to earn himself a spot. And this is just all, you know, hullabaloo, just post-draft, who's going to know who's, who will stay healthy going through the OTAs, rookie mini camps, who's going to showcase, who's not going to get hurt, who will get hurt, what's that going to change and look like going forward throughout the grind of a 17-game NFL season, even through the spring training, even through the spring training, through the preseason games and everything in between. So the two interesting cases, I think Charbonnet's in a good situation to get some playing time right away. That's my thoughts. DTR, a unique situation there. And who he's backing up has a similar skill set, I would think. So that's good for DTR. The linemen speak for themselves. Bobo and Osling, well, it could just be a UCLA, you know, they can dorm together during the, the rookie mini camps if they go on hard knocks to Seattle this year. Who knows? And then you've got Kaz Allen, which is a unique undrafted free agent situation. He is the one guy of the five I think can blossom. And obviously the talent speaks for itself. The speed speaks for itself. If he can stay healthy and get that one chance on the field and do it consistently, he can certainly come out of nowhere and get a big opportunity. That is the guy I'm circling. Kaz Allen, that would be an awesome guy for him to blossom and have UCLA be like he was around for a while and eventually he turned it on in the NFL. He is one of those guys that, you know, what a Tyreek Hill, those guys whose speed kills in the NFL. Can he be one of those guys and with good route running skills turn it on? That is my semi-brief NFL draft, post-draft analysis onto where they're going who can step up and everything in between. It's not the, it's not the craziest thing, right? But it is what it is. In the meantime, UCLA did get a commitment. As I'm wrapping up the show, they did get a commitment, a boom from Ethan Young on the Twitter account, but there was no official word as to who it was at the recording of this podcast. So if you're listening, you're wondering, Zach hasn't talked about this guy that just committed to UCLA football. We're going to talk about that next episode because at the moment of this recording, there has been no official word as to who committed and when and why. And I know Bruin Report Online had the secret report, if you're reading those, that they hosted two guys secretly, quote-unquote, over the weekend at their facilities for official visits. But who actually committed? I know they just had Schroeder commit in a class of 24 for an offensive lineman. Is this a, an exciting boom? Is this whatever? If it's that big, I may do a breaking news episode. If not, then I will wait till Tuesday and talk with Max about Locked On UCLA and UCLA football's latest commit. If there's any more basketball news, if Adea Mar finally gets to come to UCLA immediately, we'll talk about that as well. Other than that, just stay tuned. UCLA football news is coming up. They've got a commitment. If you want to be an everyday listener, you should tune in and wait for that big announcement. And we're going to talk volleyball. They're in the final four already, waiting to see who they're going to play. Long Beach or I forget who the, the – or Grand Canyon. They get that winner to try and win a national championship in volleyball. Softball's kicking butt. Baseball, they're up and down. We'll talk about that all coming up this week. On the next episode, we're going to always talk basketball. 
get that football commitment in, decipher who it is, how that fits, and why it's a good fit for UCLA, or if it's a bad fit. And then we'll talk some softball and some volleyball and some baseball in the next coming episodes to come. You should be an everyday listener of the Locked On UCLA podcast. Meantime, hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U C L A. U C L A. Fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.